morning I want to talk to you about the keys to witnessing. You know, when you get right down to the bottom line, the thing that Jesus wants us to do is to become like Him. Uh, we've heard over and over about having a Christ-like character in our lives, that we ought to live our life as Jesus did. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in one place, he who is a believer who has not the mind of Christ is none of his. So we need to be Christ-like. We need to learn who Jesus is and what he was about. And uh, we need to demonstrate that in our lives. In other words, being a witness is simply being a role model for Jesus. Now, all of us see role models all the time. I was thinking about this week, how important that is, and I was reminded of a few years ago, this was before Clark and Keisha had either Erica or Monica, either one, and Clark and Keisha and Jenny and I were on vacation down in Alabama. And uh, it was hot one day, and Clark and I had been playing golf, and we got in the back seat of uh, an Aerostar Ford van, and Keisha was driving, and uh, Jenny was, was in the uh, passenger side. And we were loading up. Everybody was getting in, and I just stepped up in the back of the van on the passenger side, put my hand on the post, and started to get in. And about the time I did that, Jenny slammed the door right on my hand, and I, I yelled, wait, wait, get my hands in the door. And Jenny said, oh, it is not. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, it was a Ford Aerostar, and the doors didn't shut too tight. Uh, there wasn't much damage done, but I did manage to get her to open the door and let me loose. And uh, we got back in uh, Memphis and a few days later, we were laughing about that story and sharing it with some friends. And as we were sharing that, Clark laughed, and he said, You know what? For a minute there, I thought I was going to finally see him lose his cool. He reminded me, and I've never forgotten how important it is to keep your cool and to be the role model you're supposed to be for Christ. And over and over again, we have the heroes of our land uh, claiming to be one thing and role modeling something else for us. I remember not too long ago a famous NBA player uh, was doing all kinds of really goofy stuff and uh, a news commentator called his hand on it one time and asked him that was he not concerned about being a role model for the young people who were watching him play and he said, I'm not nobody's role model. I'm living my own life. And I beg to disagree with him. We are role models one way or the other. Uh, just a week or so ago, I saw a man uh, with a T-shirt on. And on the back of the T-shirt, it said, Some people say a glass is half full. I say a glass, uh, and others say a glass is half empty. The only question I have is, who's been drinking my beer? The problem I had with that, on his right arm under his shirt sleeve, was tattooed a cross with Christ hanging on it. And I wondered which message is the world going to believe, the one on his back or the one on his arm. See, it's important for us to understand who we are in Christ, and that's the key to witnessing. A key to witnessing is understanding how to be a role model of Jesus. And uh, the first key that I want to talk with you about is the fact that we have to overcome fear. 
Uh, Jesus was having this last meeting with his disciples, his apostles here. He's been with them now for three years. He's demonstrated. He's played the role God sent him to play over and over and over and over. They've watched him again and again as he taught and as he touched people and as he related to people. You would have thought they knew all about that by then. But then came the cross and the horror that they saw and they felt at the cross. And suddenly fear came upon them that drove them back into the upper room. The scripture says they and the women who were with them went away to the upper room. And they stayed there for a long time. And uh, we think we have it tough in today's world. We talk about recession. We talk about uh, the loss of jobs. And we talk about the politics. And we talk about the threats of ter terrorism and all of that. Did you ever stop to think that every day that Jesus ever lived, he lived in a land that was occupied by the Roman Empire? Every day of his life. He never knew a day of freedom like we know in America. And yet he came and played the role that God sent him to play. He took upon himself the form of a man. He became a servant. And he walked and he talked the way God expected him to walk and talk. Now when he is, he is crucified, there's no question the disciples were terrified. They were afraid. And... Uh, I think when he's talking to them in this, in this passage we just read, when he said, do not leave Jerusalem, he knew if I leave this place again, they're going to scatter like a flock of geese. They're going to leave. They're going to go. They're going to hit the road and run. And they'll be right back where they started. So he said to them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for your gift my Father has promised you, which you've heard me speak of. Many times, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he wants us to understand that he knows that we have some fear. What about you? What kind of role model are you? What kind of witness are you? Uh, sometimes I think we don't recognize who we are in Christ. And we don't recognize the need for us to be a role model wherever we are. Not only do we need to be a role model when we're off with our family on vacation, we need to be a role model in this room when we're here. We need to be acting like Christ would expect us to act. We need to be acting like Christ would act. We need to be saying the things that Christ would say. We need to be dealing with people around us the way that Christ would do. And uh, in a few days, he says, the Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, then you're going to receive power. Well, we've all been over in Acts chapter 2, or most of us have anyway. We know that the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. Thousands of people are saved. And the point I want to make is that when the Spirit comes into your life, when you know the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has control of your life, God empowers you to do things that otherwise would be impossible for you to do. That's what makes ordinary people do extraordinary things. That's what makes a person like me from southern Indiana, growing up in a small town, without much religious education at all in my childhood, grow up and hear the gospel and surrender to Christ and become what he's helped me to be. That's what helps a kid from Kentucky become the same thing. That's what will help each one of you be able to be an effective witness for Christ. 
And the only way that you can overcome the fear of standing up for Christ is when God empowers you to do that. You cannot do it alone. You have to overcome your fear. And the way you overcome your fear is to begin to understand who the Holy Spirit is and, uh, and how the Holy Spirit works in your life. Now, the Scripture teaches us that the Spirit comes into our hearts when Jesus comes in. He comes into our hearts the same time Jesus does. And Paul says he seals himself there. Never again, never again to leave you. He is always there. Do you know how important it is to have the Holy Spirit in your life? Look back up in verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the what? Holy Spirit. Even Jesus depended upon the Holy Spirit to empower him and to strengthen him and to give him wisdom so that he could teach the truth and so that he could calm the apostles down and leave them to be a role model for him after he is left. So you overcome your fear by recognizing who you are and recognizing your weakness and then being able to recognize the Holy Spirit for who the Holy Spirit really is. You know, sometimes we refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. He's not an it. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here. He's in your heart. He's in my heart. The question is, are you aware that he's there? Are you aware that he was there? He came in when we were saved. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, uh, he says there that the resurrection power, the very power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, the very power that he used to roll the stone away, and to raise him from the dead and bring him back to life, that very power is available to you and me through the Holy Spirit. And our strength comes to him when he is in our inner being. He begins to, to empower us and allow us to be the people he wants us to be. He brings an awareness to us. He brings a conviction to us. He exposes us to the truth. He convinces us. He uses our life to call attention to Christ. And one of the things we need to stop maybe and just think about for a moment is, is our lives before other people? Uh, do you recognize that you have any gifts from God? So many people tell me all the time, not only in this church, but in all of my churches, when you talk to them about a place of service is, I just can't do that. A lot of people claim to have known Christ for most of their lives, and yet cannot find the courage to utter a prayer publicly. A lot of people claim to have been in Bible study all their lives, but can't find a passage that they need to look for. A lot of people have folks in their families, neighbors that need to know Christ, and yet can't find the courage to ever talk about spirituality and spiritual things, and then get around to the nature and, and the reason of Christ and the reason that he came. Um, a lot of people are able to be positive about a lot of things in life, but to never positive about what goes on in God's house. You know, it, it, 
it raises questions in my heart about people sometimes when all they have to offer in a conversation is something negative. Is there anything good in God's house? Is there anything good in His Word? Is there anything good in His message? If there is, and if you're acquainted with the Holy Spirit, you're going to catch it. You're going to catch it. The Holy Spirit is going to convict you of how He wants you to act and how He wants you to be a part of all that's going on in His, in, in his church. Um, you know, one of the things I've noticed, Ryan, I don't know if you've noticed this yet or not, but in the churches I've been in, the strongest voice many, many times is the negative voice. The people who are happy, the people who are joyous, usually don't have a lot to say during business meetings and when changes are being made. It's the people who are negative, the people who are looking at things from their own perspective instead of the perspective of God. And God has a word about that. He wants us to be role modeling the way Jesus would act in the midst of each other. I think this text perhaps could be very well the most important meeting that Jesus ever had with his disciples. After three years, this final time, he comes to them and uh, he begins to talk with them about who they are and what they know about the Holy Spirit and what they know about life. They had the same questions a lot of us do. You know, people will go almost anywhere to hear a message on the second coming. because And, and there are pastors who make a lot of money on the message of the second coming, and they'll have banners stretched all the way across the back of the church, and they have all this figured out, just the time when this happened and this happened and something else is going to happen right down to the end time. But Jesus himself said, only the Father knows that. I don't fool with worrying about the second coming. God knows. It's his business. So why should I waste my time worrying about it here when he said I should be doing what? Witnessing. Witnessing. Giving my witness to other people. And the question that Jesus has for them is this. Are you going to be able, when I leave you, to get the heart of God into the heart of other people? You see, that was the task that Jesus had with his apostles. He needed to get the heart of God into the heart of his apostles so that they could see things from God's perspective, so they could love like God loved and grace like God graces and be empowered by the Holy Spirit the way God wanted to empower him. And to be honest with you, the bottom line of any pastor's job description ought to be this. He is to get the heart of God into the heart of God's people. Because without that, we're empty. Without that, we are powerless. Without that, we're out of contact with God and out of contact with the world, and we're in big trouble. So many times when uh, that question comes up, uh, people say, yes, I, you know, I have the heart of God. Well, it's really important. You know, you look that passage up. You just look the word heart up in your, in your concordance sometime and just see how many times. Way back in, in Hebrew history, you remember when Saul was appointed as the first king of, of Israel? And it wasn't long until he disobeyed God and God sent Samson to him and said, God is going to appoint a man who is after his own heart to be the king of Israel. Saul, you're almost done. And who was that man? It was David. 
David is known to be the man who is after God's own heart. Was David a perfect man because he was after God's own heart? No. David had temptations. David failed many times. David had to confess over and over, but God still used him in a mighty and a wonderful way. And God will do us the same way. He's not saying we have to be Jesus, but he does say we have to be a role model for him and help other people understand what he's really like. So our purpose is to get the heart of God into the heart of other people. Let me tell you, you're in that same job description. That's what your job is. Parents, it's not your job just to teach your children about God. It's your job to get the heart of God into the heart of your children. It's not good enough just to let your neighbor see you leave and go to church three times a week. They want to know the heart of God, and if you've got the heart of God, you'll want them to have it too. And so you share the gospel message with them. You model what Jesus is like before them in all of your conversations and everything you do with them. You role model what it means to be a Christian before them. If you're a believer here today, you are a result of the meeting that Jesus had with his disciples in Acts chapter 1. You learned about Christ because of what they continued to do. And the message has gone on for more than 2,000 years now. People like you and me have heard the message, have received Christ, and have, have taken him into our heart. We've fallen in love with him. We've surrendered to the Spirit. And he does guide us, and he does use us, and he'll do you the same way. So important to know that God wants to give you a brand new heart. Anybody in here ever had a heart transplant? I don't see any hands. Anybody ever had open heart surgery? Lots of hands. Anybody have heart problems that you take medicine for? Lots of hands. Anybody ever have a spiritual heart problem? Anybody ever been tempted? Anybody ever been caught in a sin? Anybody ever had to confess? Yeah, all of us do. See what all of us do. And what we need is not just a patch job. What we need is a brand new heart. And that's what God says he'll give us when we come to Christ and we fall in love with him. He loves us back. And he takes away from us that old heart. He begins to change who we are. And as we follow Christ, we learn about grace. We learn about forgiveness. We learn to turn loose of our defense mechanisms. We learn to turn loose of our war machinery, our verbal machine, so that we can be what God wants us to be. I suppose one of the reasons the, the disciples and the apostles had to be dealt with in the way Jesus dealt with them here, he knew they were going to run out of town if he left without asking them to wait and promising them that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And uh, he knew that because of who they were as people. And he knows us. He knew their hearts. He knows our hearts. He knows that it's not the easiest thing in the world for us to do, and we can't do it by ourselves. And that's why he makes us the same promise. Basically, what he said to his disciples when they said, Is this the day you're going to bring the kingdom back to us? Reminds me of the Baptist church who calls a new pastor. They think everything's going to be good now. We've got everything settled. Everything's fine. And you get a new pastor and a new staff, and all of a sudden everything isn't fine. And the apostles, 
uh, come here. And, and they question Jesus, is this the day? Remember, every day they've lived their lives has been under the control of the Roman Empire as well. And they're tired of it. And when they found Jesus, they, they found the Messiah. And they were looking for a Messiah who would be another man like David who would come and be a great warrior king and would take care of Rome once and for all. And that hadn't happened. And so they're saying now, is this the day? And Jesus said, well, the day, only God knows that. And besides, it's not my job to bring the new kingdom in. I've done my job. Now it's your job. You're the one who will stay, who will receive the Holy Spirit, and power will come. And when it comes, you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of all the world. You'll give witness to me. What a challenge to those disciples or apostles who were still there to hear that kind of challenge. We think we hear a lot of challenges around here and how tough it's going to be. And it'll be too tough for us to accomplish without the power of the Holy Spirit. So recognize the Spirit and His work in your life as you, as you work through who you are as a Christian and, and what it's like. Secondly, do that heart check. Thirdly, do that heart checkup. Look at your heart. How is your heart? How excited are you? about sharing Christ with another person. An empty and a hardened heart usually is a negative heart. Doesn't see much good in anything that's going on anywhere, in the world, in the church, anywhere. Check your heart. How often do you worship? How often do you get by yourself, just you and God in a quiet place, and get into His Word and just talk to Him mostly about you and about the condition of your heart and what it is He would have you to do. And if you don't know the Holy Spirit and, and you've never surrendered to the Holy Spirit, if you've accepted Christ, He's there. It doesn't take a fantastic second kind of experience to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some churches would say it does, but it doesn't. It takes surrendering to the Spirit who came in when Jesus was there. And God's not worried about us having a new language to speak. He's worried about having a new heart with which to love and to serve and, and to share the gospel with other people. That's what it's about. And uh, so practice that every day that you can. Be sure you take time to get alone with God and tell Him you love Him. Receive His love and let Him love on you. And be sure to worship each day. Have, that, have that, uh, that place where you can go and sit and be quiet. Check out your routine day. What happens during your routine day? Where all do you go? What all do you do? You know, there's a story over in Acts chapter 3 about uh, uh, Peter and John. And it's a routine day. They're on their way to a prayer meeting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the temple, as good Jews did every day. They were going through the motions, and they got up on the porch that day, and there stood a crippled, or sat a crippled man who was begging. And Peter said to him, he said, 
Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Well, he stood up and walked. And he danced and he shouted. And a crowd began to gather around. And when the crowd began to gather around, I suppose a man jumped and and danced until he was tired because it said he was holding on to the arm of Peter and John. And when the crowd came to see what was going on, Peter took the opportunity to preach. And he told them the story of Jesus. He told and gave them the gospel story. And it says in the scriptures that even the leaders came and they were, they were concerned about what? Because they thought they'd put the end to Jesus when they crucified him on the cross. But here they come, and here's this man still standing, still preaching, people still responding, people still listening about this one called Jesus. And it says the leaders got together, and they said, who are these people? And at the end of that conversation, they decided they were just common, ordinary people. Now, let me ask you something. How many common, ordinary people do we have in this place? How many? Ordinary people. Almost everybody here is common. Almost everybody here is ordinary. And that's what God wants to point out to us in this story. It is common, ordinary people work to share the gospel, to be a good witness. So do that heart checkup, realize who you are, and then decide just, it just takes you being you. Uh, I asked Monica the other day. She probably won't like me telling this story. But I, I asked her, I said, have I told you lately that you're just one of my favorite girls in the whole world? And she said, uh-uh. She'd forgotten I had just a couple of days ago. And I said, you know why? And she said, no. And I said, because you're Monica. You're just Monica. And that's why I love you so much. And you know what? God can look at you, and he knows that you're just Sue, and he knows that you're just Charlie, and he knows that you're just Ryan. He knows that I'm just Tom. We're all just equipped about alike, but the Holy Spirit and God's calling to us to share the gospel and to be a witness is what he wants us to be. So the, 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 the fourth key is to be an ordinary follower. That's all you have to be. It doesn't take a trip to seminary. It doesn't take a trip to college. It just takes surrendering to the Spirit. If you are a believer and allowing God to use your life, and He'll do it. Everywhere you go, every day, every place, everywhere you go, Christ goes with you through the Holy Spirit, whether you are aware of it or not. We are role models every day, whether we are aware of it or not. The question is, what kind of role model are we? Is it for the world? Is it for a world view? Is it for a political stance? Or is it for the Christ of the gospel? Who has the only hope for common ordinary people in a world such as ours? I hope you'll take those keys. You'll think about them. Or they'll unlock the difficulty that you have in sharing the gospel with other people. Elton Trueblood takes it a step farther. He said in his book, uh, The Company of the Committed, that uh, 
it's difficult to communicate important convictions without language. You need to get into the Word and know what God says about witnessing and evangelizing and doing your part to bring other people to Christ. So let me ask you, as you take that heart inventory today, do you find a heart that's fully committed to Christ? Fully committed to Him? Fully surrendered? Or are you like the guy's t-shirt, a glass half full or glass half empty? A believer half committed? A believer not half committed? See, the Holy Spirit wants you to say, Lord, make me a full glass all the time. Because we serve a thirsty world. And they need to hear the gospel message. How will others know unless you allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to share who Jesus really is?